So the context of Acts starts with Jesus ascending to heaven after his death and resurrection. He commands the disciples to wait for the Holy Spirit in Jerusalem. Uh, they wait for the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit comes in the form of wind, tongues of fire, and they speak in other tongues and languages. And then Peter addresses the crowd, uh, the bewildered crowd who thinks they're all drunk. Um, he talks to them about Jesus. He talks to them uh, about why Jesus came and why he died and why he rose again and the whole meaning of it. And, uh, and he goes into detail about different scriptures. And he, he's talking to Jews uh, and Gentiles there. Uh, Gentiles just meaning non-Jews. Um, and 3,000 people became Christians that day. Uh, and in that moment, the early church began and started to grow and take motion. Um, and here enters Saul, um, who's a guy we're going to be looking at in the passage. <coughs> um, he was a man born in the city of Tarsus, which is today's Turkey. Um, he was born into a high class of society. His parents operated in social circles, meaning that he could earn a Roman citizenship, which I like to think of as a Northern Irish passport post-Brexit. Um, <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> um, he then went to Jerusalem to, to learn to be a rabbi, to study, um, and he had the best teacher, the best education. Um, there in Jerusalem. He became, quickly as he learned the law from the best teacher and the best education, uh, he became what was somewhat of a radical spokesman uh, for the Jewish way. Um, he was then the go-to dude of what was in and out of line of the law. Uh, and he became obsessed with Jewish lawful perfection. Um, so that's Paul. That's Saul. Sorry, not Paul. That's a bit, I'll give away the story there. Um, this is where we continue the story of the early church. Um, Saul hears about these Christians we were talking about earlier, uh, and he, was, he began to persecute them because they were outside of the law um, in Jewish lawful perfection. Um, and, yeah, he starts persecuting them, and he even has one killed, Stephen. Um, he authorizes the stoning of Stephen. Uh, until he has an incredible encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. Light from heaven surrounds him, and he hears Jesus' voice. Um, and he becomes radically changed, converted. He becomes a Christian um, through this encounter with Jesus. Saul becomes Paul. There you go. There's Paul. Um, and he's filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, he meets Jesus' disciples in Damascus, and he begins to tell his story and preaches in synagogues and other places around um, the Middle East. Uh, Paul um, didn't have a, a very good time uh, in the book of Acts. Jews tried to kill him. They put him on trial. Uh, he was arrested. Uh, he was put on trial by the Sanhedrin, which is like the Jewish court. Um, he was put on trial by the governor of Caesarea, a guy called Felix, who, just to keep the Jews happy, kept him in prison for two years. Um, and then after, he was in there for so long that Felix was replaced <clears throat> as a governor uh, by this guy called Festus, Felix's replacement. Um, and now, he was put on trial by Festus, and now he's in where this part of the story is in Acts, he was put on trial by King Agrippa, who was the Roman occupying king of Israel. Um, and he's being questioned, Paul's being questioned by the King Agrippa uh, about the allegations the Jewish leaders have made against him. Because Festus 
Look, Felix, sorry, Festus, Festus. So many names, I apologize. Um, Festus just doesn't understand it, so goes to the king. The king doesn't really understand it. So here we are. Paul has just made his defense in this passage. And it's the peak of excitement, what feels like it. Here we are. Acts 26, verse 24. Read it with me. At this point, Festus interrupted Paul's defense. You're out of your mind, Paul, he shouted. Your great learning has driven you insane. I'm not insane, most most excellent Festus, Paul replied. What I'm saying is true and reasonable. The king is familiar with these things, and I can speak freely to him. I'm convinced that none, none of this has escaped his notice because it, is, because it was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. Then Agrippa said to Paul, do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to become a Christian? Paul replied, short time or long time, I pray that God, not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am, except for these chains. The king rose, and with him the governor and Bernice, and those sitting with him. After they left the room, they began to say, saying to one another, this man is not doing anything that deserves death or imprisonment. Agrippa said to Festus, this man could have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. Okay, the pinnacle of this story, Paul's been in jail for a while, and he's made his appeal to the king the Roman occupying king of Israel, it looks bleak. It's not good. Looks like he's about to go all the way to Rome to stand trial under Caesar. That's a big deal for someone who technically hasn't done anything wrong in the eyes of Roman law, and this is a Roman court now. Um, So it's not good. It looks like he's about to go, you know, be in prison for longer, be in, yeah, and stand more trials in other places. Um... Paul has been beaten, arrested, and imprisoned for the past two years. Now he's almost certainly going to Rome to stand trial under Caesar. My biggest question when I read all this and understood all the context is, how? How does Paul just keep going? Just keep going um, through all, through the beatings, through the oppression from the Jews, which were his kind of hometown. That's where he grew up. Um, He used to be a big deal, and now he's just not. Um, He's... And, you know, my biggest question, how? How does he, how does he do it? He stands his ground. He keeps preaching. And he, in Acts 16, it says that he worships in prison. Um, and I just, I just couldn't get um, to, to how. How does, he keep, how does he keep doing this? And then we get to this amazing, almost outrageous part of the, this reading. And um, Paul says to the king of verse 29, short time or long time, I I pray to God that not only you, to the king, but all who are listening, the Jewish leaders uh, and Festus at the time, so high, important people, um, but all who are listening to me today become what I am except for these chains. And I was, and I was thinking, what, what is Paul? My biggest question at this point was, what is Paul that the others aren't, that these big important people aren't? Um, I just, I don't. I didn't quite understand what Paul was trying to say, and, and I, was, I was there last night at 1am asking God, what, what is Paul that these guys aren't? Um, after this verse, he said, I, mean, I, I believe I, I found the answer. 
And I just want to share this little thought with you today. Um, and I believe the difference between Paul and these big Jewish leaders at the time um, was found on the road to Damascus. Um, he found Jesus. Paul had an incredible encounter with Jesus and was filled with the Holy Spirit. For the Jews, the only way to access God was through sacrificing a pure animal. Um, and for Paul, Jesus was that pure, pure sacrifice. Jesus was that pure sacrifice. And Jesus allowed him to access God. The Holy Spirit is the presence of God living in Paul in that moment. Uh, and God was literally with him in that courtroom. And the people in that courtroom were perfect in the eyes of the Jewish law. These were the high elite. There was a king. There was a governor. There was Jewish leaders. There was rabbis in this room. And Paul stood there and said, I pray that you may become what I am. In the message, it says, in the message translation, it says, still bound in chains. Paul said this. And it was, and it was almost outrageous. And at this point, I was like, Paul, what are you doing? If you want to get out, that's not what you do. That's not what you do. <clears throat> and the people in that room were perfect. Perfect in the eyes of the law. But what they didn't have was the Holy Spirit, what Paul had. Paul had a huge, incredible encounter with Jesus. And he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And that was the difference between these perfect people in the eyes of the law, in the eyes of society, and Paul in that moment. And the Holy Spirit is what enabled, to answer that question, how? How does Paul keep going? How does Paul keep preaching, keep motivated, keep worshipping in prison? And the answer is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit sustains him and maintains him through the bleakest of situations. And, and, I, and, I, and I really struggled with that, actually, because the Holy Spirit doesn't seem to help me even when I'm late for a train. Um, and I just begin to be just filled with anger, and Paul's worshipping in prison, for no, and he's, in, he's there for no reason, basically. The whole reason he's on, he's on court in front of Agrippa is because they couldn't find a fault, almost like Jesus. They couldn't find a fault. The, the Roman law couldn't find a reason to imprison him or to put him to death like the Jews wanted. But we go deeper. He didn't just put up with this with the help of the Holy Spirit. He endured it so that others could know Jesus and have the Holy Spirit in them too. Um, it wasn't just Paul. It wasn't just Paul that faced persecution. Stephen was stoned. The dis a lot of the disciples were killed. Um, Jesus was crucified. And people today, alive in this world now, are facing persecution so that the world can know the Holy Spirit. So... From this passage, from the context of Acts, the Holy Spirit is a big deal. Um, but then I thought, I have the Holy Spirit, but don't have Paul's faith or perseverance. One, what can we learn? Uh, sorry. One, we can learn from Paul. Um, sorry, I'm getting lost in my notes here. We can learn from Paul, but there is a difference um, between Paul and us. Um, God has a unique plan for us. He doesn't call us to be in prison and, and have to do all the things that Paul has. Um, but two, I do believe there is a difference between having the Holy Spirit and living in the Holy Spirit. And, I, and countless times through um, the New Testament, 
Paul is praying on his own, and Jesus did this, and the disciples did this. They spent time just alone with God, with, with the Holy Spirit, and allowing the Holy Spirit to just soak into them. And the, def- the definitive difference between those people in that courtroom, if you, if you imagine it now, like this, it would have looked something similar like this. There would have been people all around here, and Paul in the middle saying, you need to be what I am. You'd be better off like me with the Holy Spirit tied up in chains than what you are on your high pedestal now. And it doesn't say in this passage, but all the way through the, through the New Testament, disciples are spending time praying and waiting for the Holy Spirit. They waited for the Holy Spirit in Jerusalem and the Holy Spirit came. We need to continually invite the Holy Spirit to fill us. When we do, like Paul on the road to Damascus, we become changed become different. Our, our life trajectory changes. And it's not always big and obvious like Paul's encounter. And, and I know we look at the Bible and thinking how it's not like that today. And the, realist, the, the honest truth is it's not. It's a different context. It was a different time. The Holy Spirit works differently. God works differently today than he did yesterday. He's doing a new thing today than he did yesterday. So I believe that God today... Um, in my life, my experience is God works gently. The Holy Spirit works gently and slowly. Uh, and think of it like a Christmas turkey. Um, when, when you make a Christmas turkey on Christmas Day, it's been marinating in cider. Or my mum used Coke. My mum uses Coke uh, for like hours and hours to let, to let it soak in. And then it's cooked slowly to make the meat really soft and tender. And I believe today on this Tuesday lunchtime service that God wants to marinate you in the Holy Spirit slowly and gently, daily. So, and on that note, um, I believe that that is what that verse was saying, that what Paul was saying, he wants these big leaders to be like him. He wants us to be like him, marinated in the Holy Spirit uh, and soaking in his presence daily, slowly, gently. So if you wouldn't mind just standing with me now, what we're going to do is just that. We're going to pray probably what is one of the oldest prayers in the, new ch- in the church, in the, in the life of Jesus' church. Um, and if you just want to close your eyes, um, even if we do it for 30 seconds, um, just press into the Holy Spirit now. And if, it's, if this is the first time that you've um, prayed this prayer, um, that's okay. If, if it's the millionth time, that's okay too. I believe God does a new thing today than he does yesterday. So yeah, I'm just going to pray. And I want you to pray this in your hearts. Come, Holy Spirit. We welcome you here. We thank you for the people that faced persecution, that faced death, so that we can know you, Jesus, intimately, so that we can know the Holy Spirit. Come and fill us now. Forgive us for when we've messed up, for when we've done things that aren't your way, things that aren't your will. Let's just spend a moment now waiting in the quiet, in the still. And if you start feeling the Holy Spirit, great, keep going. Um, If you don't, that's absolutely fine. Come, Holy Spirit.